The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Hale Varsity Radio. We are kind of on the road today out back at the uh, Casa de Schmidt patio 75 it's November 19th might as well just say let's sit out back and talk a little football today four to six with Hale Varsity so the uh, psychos my two puppies are inside with Junior no doubt ruining new carpet and uh, we've got plenty to get into with Nebraska Illinois and the weekend of college football can join us today four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five numbers to get in find us on twitter at schmidt underscore radio at herbal essence elijah herbal back in studio and can email chris at hailvarsity.com busy show coming up here in about 20 minutes we'll talk with parker gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star, get his take on Nebraska. We'll try and solve that mystery of second half scoring. Uh, Gary Barnett with us in one hour. The coach, get his take on the weekend of college football and uh, his perspective as an offensive guy, a longtime offensive coordinator and uh, play caller, and then an offensive minded head coach with a uh, pretty high level of comp- complimentary football, honestly, during his head coaching stints so we'll talk with barney about that brandon vogel coming up get vogue's take can't wait to have you check out his podcast the i-80 preview as vogue's uh, dives into second half struggles and then the pride of chicago is danny burke burke's best bets coming up at 5 40 you have the numbers you can get in and uh, we will try and tackle Illinois. Elijah, you making it through dead week? What's up? How are you? Yeah, two more big assignments done today. Um, and I did some math, and I think if I just completely skip my Spanish final project, I'll still finish the passing grade in the class. So the stress is going down day by day. So is it just your own standards important, but ultimately uh, the folks weigh in on, on GPA and effort and all of that stuff. You are, are putting in lots of hours uh, on the field, uh, working. <laughs> You're putting lots of hours in off the field, uh, getting through uh, the, the project-based finals you have within the, uh, the advertising and broadcasting department. So kudos to you. I, I may take you for a steak and a beer, whether or not you, you win a second consecutive week. Uh, that's what Nebraska is trying to do. And that is, does it just blow you away? And I know it's, it's been the reality for Nebraska where they have not put together back-to-back wins very often. I mean, the last time they won three straight was in, in 2016, and, and, you know, Nebraska got off to a 
6-0 and start and, and almost got things handled uh, against Wisconsin before getting annihilated at Ohio State, and then they, they finished the season uh, winning two of four games, and then Tennessee got them in the Music City Bowl. But it's been a struggle in 17. You started out 0-6 and 18, and then last year you, you were kind of up and down with putting some wins together and then some – Head scratcher losses. One of the one of the panic moments of last year for a lot of Nebraska fans was the Illinois game because Nebraska's offense won that for uh, the Big Red. Adrian Martinez, his signature game in his career. When you look at rushing and, and passing, it was incredible uh, with total yards. You saw Wandale carry the mail uh, superbly, running the football, and and and, and J.D. Spielman going over the middle, getting you know, crushed, and, and he kept popping up. So uh, that was an amazing offensive performance when you look at the 42 points that come from behind and Nebraska finding a way to win a close ball game not long after the Colorado game in, in 2019. Well, uh, Nebraska had four turnovers that game. I, that's one thing I'm wondering here when we look at Saturday, Elijah and Nebraska trying to continue this momentum here you put two wins together before you head to Iowa City I think this this football team is is a little different than past years and and you've got such a youth movement a lot of those guys have not experienced uh the ups and downs of of what's gone on at Nebraska because they're so young this is their first or their second year here and they're really contributing for the first time in their careers at a higher level or or more snaps, more so than just the practice field or the scout team. So I, I, I think there might be a little bit different mentality or mindset, and I'm not, not going to throw in shade at the older guys, the upperclassmen, the Boodles or the Stillies or the JoJo's. I mean, they, they've got a, uh, and been through a ton in this program, but you, it, it could be a bit of, a fr- bit of fresh air with the this mix the the old uh, upperclassmen and and the youth movement that you're going to be leaning on offensively uh it's been a point of emphasis we'll hear from scott frost this hour uh where nebraska does need to take care of the football but elijah kind of feels like you know this this could be a get right game for nebraska's offensive line this could be a get right game for nebraska's rushing attack but also just as is you know there's lots of leaks on this Illinois, Illinois boat, um, it, it's a situation, too, where Nebraska could could get downtown a little bit. They could try and stretch the field a little bit. They could open up this downfield passing attack. If it's going to be against anybody in the Big Ten, uh, and this sounds so disrespectful, you might as well see what you can do getting downfield against Illinois with some of your young wideouts and your tight ends. But again, don't don't get too far off the running game if that's working. But there's there's a lot of different avenues to go about this way. And if you're Illinois on the other side of the coin, I mean, you, your schedule's really really bad after Nebraska. Do they uh, muster up their own little two game streak uh, after uh, coming back being down double digits twice to Rutgers last week? So there's a lot of different storylines in this one Saturday. Yeah, it, to me, it's felt like we haven't seen a Husker team since the Bo Pelini era at Nebraska, maybe even before that, uh, that has played whenever they go up against a team that on paper they're better than. They go in with that confidence of you, you don't even belong on the same field as us. Uh, that, that's a confidence that has been missing from Husker football. Uh, and this is a chance for this Husker team to go out and prove it against Illinois. They're favored by 15 points for a reason. On paper, this Husker team is much better than the, this Illinois team. 
Uh, I don't want the Huskers to go overlook this team, uh, but whenever you're going, uh, I guess they're at home, but whenever you're playing a team uh, with the quality of Illinois, you kind of have to play with this confidence of you don't belong with us. It's the same confidence that a team like Wisconsin has whenever they play Illinois or a team like Ohio State has whenever they play Rutgers. It's this mentality of, you don't belong on the field with us and we're going to show you why. And that's not a mentality I've seen among the Husker football team in uh, at least 10 years. Well, it, it, you got you to back up that, that confidence or that belief with wins, right? Oh, and yeah. Nebraska got it done and got it done in a just a drama-filled way with uh, the last four minutes of that football game last Saturday against a team that – is better than most on paper, but that's why you play the game, says a guy named Boomer, right? So uh, with this, I think Nebraska can no doubt run the football. Uh, you need a, to continue to keep Cam Jurgens healthy, obviously. Maybe Mills is ready to get downhill and do some damage. And maybe you can lean on your running backs a little more on Saturday. Not that you don't want the quarterback run game, or don't want to go to it and use it because it has been effective, but you don't want it to be the uh, staple of your rushing attack, and, and it has been to this point. That's where Nebraska's gotten their most production running the football has been with either McCaffrey or for sure Adrian. Uh, flipping it around for Nebraska, I think Illinois will do Nebraska a favor if they – uh, lean on Brandon Peters for extended periods of time. I know he's a former high star. I mean, did, was he a five star? Is that right? Was he a five star quarterback out of Michigan? Uh, I'll, I'll check uh, right here. I'll go to twenty four seven. High four, or or maybe a five star guy. I don't know, but he had all the the credentials to uh, to go play quarterback at at a place like Michigan under Harbaugh, and he ended up having to transfer out. And he's just been kind of. 50% or a little bit better. You want to talk about the topic of confidence. This guy has been so up and down, and then he's battled the injury bug, and now that it was COVID, he's back. And I just, I guess I would not put a lot of money on him looking like uh, Mertz after a 21 day quarantine. If I'm Illinois, man, I make Nebraska stay disciplined. And Isaiah Williams is a high level freak athlete that's a pain in the neck to deal with with the quarterback run game. You saw what Penn State did with the quarterback run game. You've seen what Fields did on some scrambles. Mobile quarterbacks hose every defense in football. You look at it in the NFL tonight. You got two of them with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, guys that are mobile and can run and avoid the big hit because they're a little bit undersized, just wear defensive coordinators out. So if I'm Illinois, yeah, I guess Peters is back. So here you go, son. Go throw the football. But in all honesty, I think Isaiah Williams, he was a big-time get for Lovey and company. I mean, the guy was the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, for God's sake. I'd keep riding him, and I'd make Nebraska stay disciplined uh, with that, uh, that that zone read game and, and try and get some work done on the ground against the Nebraska Blackshirt defense. That'd be my humble take on things if I'm planning how to try and go after these newly minted 12 black shirts. Uh, I mean, I just went and checked uh, the stat, and Brandon Peters was a high four-star. He was the number six quarterback in the country, according to Rivals. Uh, so there's your stat check on that. Jeez, six in the country, and it goes from Michigan now to, um, to 
Boy, a uh, couple of thoughts with, with Nebraska. Uh, I want to see Nebraska come out. I want to see Nebraska f- start fast, script it well. But the, the thing that's been the topic all week has been second-half struggles, second-half adjustment, second-half execution, right? And, and that's been an issue for Nebraska football, and that's been a Nebraska football issue uh, the last several years, but it's been an issue with, with Coach Frost and the offense. And I, I don't think that there's a stone that's not left unturned when it comes to Nebraska analyzing a first half. And here's what worked, here's what didn't work. You've got 11 minutes and it's ticking away to make your adjustments, to either add to your lead, to get a lead, whatever. I, the work is being done by the coaching staff. Their plans, I think, in response are are attempted to be sound, and it just it's just been so sluggish. I mean, you have six points in three games, and that won't cut it. It's such a it's such an ask of your defense, right? And and you got to break that trend. You got to break that habit this weekend, uh, and and move forward with being able to score some points in the second and against Ohio state, you had, you had three points. You could have had, could have, could have, could have, right. Could have had 17, right. You could have had a couple of touchdown drives or at worst you get into field goal range a couple of different times. And, and so you have nine points. You were going to beat Ohio state anyway, but for you to go uh, like you did in, in week two, that turned into week three against, um, Northwestern where, man, you, you had two red zone turnovers. So you've got a whole mix of issues going on with not only execution and turnovers in the red zone, but finding an identity in the red zone and being able to power in and score some points in the second half. That trend has got to go the right way for Nebraska uh, against Illinois just for the sake of beating Illinois. And I know Nebraska is a two-touchdown-plus favorite. But then even into Iowa City, right? I mean, you need to be able to make some adjustments and then go execute it and and get off that schneid. I mean, it's almost to the point through three games – where it's in some of your guys' head, right? Where you're you're pressing and stressing a little bit to get some points in that third and fourth quarter. Uh, I think it can happen, but it needs to happen. And uh, for Nebraska too, this will be an opportunity to to step on somebody once you get them down. Because I think if they come out and approach the week the, the the right way, they should be able to jump out and jump on Illinois, take them down, and uh, and then just kind of cruise. Not not put your feet up, but just be able to just be the better football team and, and go to work on them offensively and have a really good day defensively. Uh, open field tackling. You should, and if you don't, that's uh, that's on Lovey. If you stick with Brandon Peters to go 15-30 uh, with a couple three interceptions because he's disastrous uh, with the football with turnovers, uh, that, that that's not helping your case to get another season in Champaign, Elijah. Yeah, what I'm looking for in this game on Saturday is just how well this offense and this defense can work in continuity. Uh, we, we've seen a few times this season the Husker offense has been pretty good at capitalizing whenever the defense can get a takeaway. I want to see if that trend's going to continue um, because the Illinois defense... Uh, I don't want to say it's a sieve, but when they're allowing 450-plus yards of offense a game, uh, you're going to have your chance to move the ball. 
you don't want to put too much pressure on your defense to be able to to completely shut down this Illinois attack, especially with how multiple they can be with multiple different quarterbacks. Uh, we're assuming going to get some play time. Uh, so whenever the Husker defense can get a turnover, I want to see, can this Husker offense take a short field and punch it in? Uh, or, or are they going to have to be forced into driving the ball 80 yards and scoring a touchdown, which is something that they have not done well at all this year? Well, the other side of that, too, is think about the, the fact you, you – you get Nebraska, this will be an opportunity to, to hit some big plays too, right? I mean, we're, we're talking second half scoring. It's an issue that you're going to get a chance as a team to get on uh, a better path that way, work on it, but also the big plays. It was uh, a sight for sore eyes to get a 45-yard uh, gash play last week against Penn State. You did so with bets. Uh, how many more big plays can you get? We'll hear from Parker Gabriel. He's coming up. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're at uh, Casa de Schmidt on the patio, 75 and sunny November. Why not? Uh, Parker Gabriel's next. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome in, Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star. Parker, thanks for uh, taking a few minutes. Just a, a quick non-football question. Would you like to, uh, to babysit a German shepherd that loves to play fetch during interviews? <laughs> you know, Chris, if, if I got to babysit a German shepherd that loved to play fetch during interviews, I would gladly do it as long as I knew it was going to be 75 and sunny like it is right now. <laughs> um, if, if that's the deal, then sign me up. Well, good. Gertie will be right over. She likes uh, new people. Uh, what do you think of Saturday, Parker? What's, uh, what's your gut here as you kind of sifted through this week's media sessions and, and also, you know, some of your takeaways with uh, with the Penn State game. You know, how are you feeling about Nebraska's focus heading into Saturday? Yeah, I think, you know, Scott Frost said this morning that he liked the way his team handled uh, the last five days or so since beating Penn State. Um, it's obviously, you know, a new challenge this year in terms of handling success instead of bouncing back from either a loss or a canceled game. Um, you know, I think you have some confidence in the trajectory of the defense. It, it, you know, it wasn't perfect against Penn State by any stretch of the imagination, but um, played pretty well most of the game. They're obviously on the field for a lot of snaps, 91. Um, and then I think the biggest question really is is surrounding the offense. And, and you know, we've seen Luke McCaffrey before, last week obviously but we hadn't seen him in that role as a starting quarterback so um just you know tangibly what are what what progress does he make from start one to start two obviously there were things to like uh and things that you can clean up um last week like there will be every week uh, for anybody that plays quarterback but um if, if they can if they're back up in the you know 400 to 500 yard range rather than 298 um given the way the defense is is trending, I think Nebraska would be in pretty good shape if that was the case. 
Parker Gabriel's with us, Lincoln Journal star. You can find him on Twitter at Husker Extra PG. And uh, that's really the question you kind of nailed is, you know, the ability to handle some success. Uh, you know, is this team going to be able to build on it? You, you want to be confident. You get that by winning. And Nebraska kind of got the best of both worlds. They handed out a pretty good lead and uh, jumped on Penn State in the first half. Tail of two halves, they had to takes another step forward and learns how to, I don't know, put someone to bed or finish them off, step on the old neck, so to speak? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, I think it, it, you can look at it as a really good learning experience. Now, obviously, you know, everyone uh, would have had a slightly more comfortable afternoon if, if there wouldn't have been such a learning experience in the second half. But um, they, they found a way. They got it done. Um, that's life in the Big Ten very rarely – are you going to just waltz in somewhere and 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 win uh, by multiple scores and do it easily? And so, um, yeah, you've got to you've got to get comfortable operating in that environment, um, operating as if the game's on the line because um, a lot of times it is. And so, um, I think you know, all things considered, it's it's uh, it was a good mix of. You learn by winning, and you also just learn um, the things that went well and the things that didn't. And so um, now you just try to take it to the next next week. You know, last year um, they won handily against Northern Illinois and, and went to Illinois, and everybody thought, okay, you know, tune up before Ohio State, um, chance to really, you know, play well. Um, and they went down 14 nothing seven minutes in and turned the ball over four times. So – you can't take the approach that, oh, it, it went well enough last week, it just will again this week. You have to make that happen. And I think that's, that's sort of the next, the next lesson to learn for this team. Parker Gabriel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Parker, the Husker offense has had some uh, well-documented struggles through three games, um, but they're going up against an Illinois defense that uh, – it isn't the best, we'll say that, uh, giving up uh, over 450 yards of offense per game. Uh, so when you're looking at this Husker matchup on Saturday, which side of the ball do you think uh, might struggle a little more? Is it going to be the Husker offense or is it going to be the Husker defense? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think that, you know, part of it's going to depend on what Illinois does at quarterback and how, how what kind of caliber play they get at quarterback. Um, I think you, you know, I, I'm – I don't know what to think about the offense because obviously you're right. They have struggled a little bit over the past couple of weeks and, and so too has Illinois defense. And not only that, but Nebraska in the past two years, you know, Scott Frost has really, um, they've really ripped up Illinois defense each of the past two years. And Frost talked this morning about how they got different looks from, from year one to year two, but the results were pretty similar. I mean, you know, they, they, they scored 42 last year. I think it was 56 in 2018. Um, they've had 600-plus yards. And I think, what, Adrian Martinez had like 430 yards of offense last year against Illinois. And so um, they've really, you know, that was a game last year where, where 42 points felt like underselling it for the offense because of the turnovers. Um, and so you've got to – I think part of that, it's hard to know exactly, but part of that is just because Scott Frost has such an intimate knowledge of the defensive system given that, you know, he really came up in something similar to that during his playing days in the NFL, uh, the Lovey Smith-Tampa 2 uh, system. And so that – all of that is to say it's a recipe for Nebraska to feel like it should have a really good day offensively, but – 
you know, it would be Nebraska's first really good day offensively if they have one. Parker, uh, a thought here, kind of piggybacking off of what Elijah said about you know where where Nebraska can go and and what to expect Saturday offensively and defensively. The numbers are what they are, and I know Illinois is great at, at taking the football away. I mean that's how they've been able to score some points offensively. They do a just marvelous job of being physical and forcing turnovers. I mean that's that's what they did a year ago, right? I mean they really physically beat up Nebraska. So I'm wondering when we when we talk about Nebraska's downfield passing attack and, and how that needs to to grow and kind of help this offense up out. Is this the game where you, you see more of an emphasis on it, perhaps? You kind of cut it loose with Luke, perhaps, uh, downfield, and even with some of those young wide receivers and also your tight end play. Is that something that may be a focal point in in the play calling? Yeah, I think it has to be. Um, I think it has to be. And, and listening to Matt Lubick on Tuesday, the offensive coordinator, you know, they were, they did, they played pretty aggressive early in the game and, and, you know, shot plays can have different, they don't all, it doesn't have to just be four verts all the time, you know, but they were pretty aggressive early in the game. And then obviously, um, you know, played a little bit differently once they were up, up by three scores and, and that, that didn't go, um, you know, exactly how they wanted it to. But I think, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I think that you have to mat, you know, you have to you have to respond to physicality with physicality in kind, and and that that includes trying to push the ball down the field, and probably to, you know, guys that have some size. Of course, if, if you can get concepts for Wando Robinson, you like down the field, you do that because he's a really good player. Um, but I think that there are going to be opportunities for. Uh, the tight ends to get involved, maybe for uh, you know a guy like Xavier Betts to get involved, uh, even even you know uh, Levi Falk and, and Marcus Fleming, who aren't the biggest guys on the roster, but um, you know are outside receivers primarily by trade. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think you'll see an aggressive approach. I think you'll see them turn Luke McCaffrey uh, loose in the passing game a little bit more, maybe than last week. But at the same time. Uh, Nebraska always wants to establish the run, and if they can do that and run the ball efficiently, um, then there's no there's no need to get too far away from that and get too pass happy if you find yourself able to run the ball at Illinois. Parker, there's an abundance of, of young options that are ready to step up and make some plays at wide receiver, but the big name, Omar Manning, uh, hasn't really lived up to Husker fans' expectations this year, uh, apparently dealing with a couple injuries, uh, but he's only suited up for the one game against Northwestern, uh, no catches on the year so far. Uh, do you see his role changing as the year goes on, um, or, or do you think he's been so hampered by injuries and, and showing up to campus late that uh, maybe he's not going to be able to step up in this offense until next year? Well, I think they'd like to get him involved in some way, shape, or form this year just because, like you say, I mean, everyone's got eligibility um, next year. And, and obviously, you know, uh, Omar Manning technically would still have two years of eligibility um, beginning next year. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get to a spot where you're comfortable putting him on the field and he's comfortable being on the field, um, you'll sort of take anything you can get at this point. Obviously, that wasn't what Nebraska or Nebraska fans hoped for before the season. But at this point, you know, four weeks in, five to go, hopefully, um, you know, you sort of would take anything you can get and, and call that uh, a hopeful jumping off point going forward. But I think, you know, if you're talking about expectations, I think you're better off, uh, you know, looking for progress among the guys who have been able to get on the field a little bit more, whether that's, 
you know, if you're talking about young guys, you're talking about Beth Fleming and, and Alante Brown, um, and then and then anything that you get from Omar Manning at this point, I think, would sort of feel like a bonus. Parker, about 90 seconds here. A uh, quick thought here. You know, who's impressed you most defensively through three games for Nebraska? We'll end it with uh, some black shirt talk. And Parker Gabriel's been kind enough to join us here on Hale Varsity, Lincoln Journal star at Husker Extra PG. But, but with the defensive side of the ball, what players kind of wowed you so far? Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, I think you just almost have to start the list with Jojo Doman. I mean, he's played really well. He's taken the steps that the coaching staff hoped he would take this offseason in terms of playing more within the defense, playing disciplined. And I think he's learning through his play this year that he can play disciplined, play really smart, play within the system, and still be a big play guy. You know, you don't have to freelance to make big plays. And, and, and he's, he's done that this year. He's played within the, the scope of what Mike Dawson's asking him to do, and he's making big plays while he's doing it. Um, you know, they've gotten – I think Ben Stilley's playing the best football of his career. Um, I think Cam Taylor-Britt has really settled in nicely at corner um, and might be the best cover guy at this point. Um, he's obviously a big physical player. So I think you start with those three, but if you're going to ask me to pick one, I don't think you can go wrong with, uh, with Doman at this point. Last thought, are you leaning Wisconsin or Northwestern Saturday? That's a good question. It's going to be a war. Wisconsin's only won at Ryan Field one time in the last 20 years. Uh, That blow you away? Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. They won in 2018, and before that it was 1999. That would be be like Ron Dane era. Um, (laughs) One game that they've won in in Evanston since then. I I think they'll make it too. Um, I just think that Wisconsin's defense can handle Northwestern offensively, but that point's going to be hard to come by in that one. Is the grass going to be British Open rough? (laughs) Yeah, it's like I said before, Nebraska went there. It's going to be somewhere between prairie and jungle. That's pretty good. Parker, have a good weekend. We'll see you on Saturday. Thanks for the time. Yep, see you guys. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We are uh, out back today with it being 75 and sunny most of the day. The shadow is back here a little bit cooler, so Elijah had to throw some pants on. Now crazy neighbor in so uh good stuff from parker gabriel gary barnett's 20 minutes away we'll get his take on things i saw this on twitter so fox sports is asking the uh, college football world you know what's the best big 12 town and i know that there's some uh some longing for the ex-girlfriend of the big 12 but i have been to a handful of Big 12 stops in my lifetime. Norman multiple times. I know the Pac-12 now claims Boulder, but Boulder was always a place we'd go. And uh, I Ames is where I went. Same with Lawrence. I really enjoyed KU. But never, never made it to Stillwater, never made it to Columbia. 
and I never made it. Uh, I went to Austin. Austin was incredible, uh, except for the whole game thing. Never got down to College Station either or, or Waco or Waco, however you want to frame it. Uh, so I, I, I failed in my, my Big 12 tour. But when we went, we drank a lot of beer and had a good time, and Nebraska usually prevailed. That's been over 20-plus years ago. Elijah, you've been to many Big 12 stops. Are you more uh, about the Big 10 road experience? Uh, I've made a lot more stops in the Big 10 road experience. Uh, I think the only two I've made it to are Lawrence and Ames uh, in the Big 10. Gotcha. Or Big 12, excuse me. But I've heard great things about Austin. Uh, I mean, you said you've been down there. I heard it's a beautiful place. Uh, my uh, parents have been there uh, twice. I got old family friends that live down there. I hear it's just a, a beautiful place, but my, my take on Ames and Lawrence is they're both kind of crappy. See, Lawrence, we drove through Lawrence not long ago for a baseball tournament, and that's when uh, 29 was jacked due to flooding. So going through that direction took way longer, but Lawrence, Lawrence was charming, especially the campus. Uh, they, it was as hilly as it was, it was really cool. Austin was phenomenal, but this was back in 1999. So it was great to be on 6th Street. It was great to have a beer with Earl Campbell. That was wonderful. And uh, the scene afterwards where everyone, especially the, 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 the Texas co-eds, were in the fountains and hanging from street poles, man. So it was... Uh, it was not a good time to be a Nebraska fan after you blew a lead, but Texas uh, had a good time celebrating. Let's go to Scott. He's on the line. Scott, thanks for dialing in on Hale Varsity. Go ahead. Hi, guys. How you doing today? Good. What do you know? Well, just a comment I had. And I, after the game, I'm thinking that Cade Warner's dad wanted to play catch with him. Yeah, that's uh, easy to uh, to pile on there. There's two throws into the end zone. One was a fast ball. One was a tipped ball. But Kate would be the first to tell you I'll, I'll catch the next one is kind of my thinking. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the good work. All right. Tip your waiters. Uh, try the veal. That was Scott with uh, a joke. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, no one's more ticked off than Cade Warner at – at two touchdown catches he could have, would have, should have had. One not entirely his fault in Columbus. But guess what? He'll uh, he'll come up big at some point this season, I, I have no doubt. And from a, uh, a, a total contribution standpoint, not just off the field, making sure everyone's all good, but on the field he does a good job of blocking as well. So I'm not worried, Elijah, about Cade Warner making a play here as the season moves forward. But I also will say that this Husker offense can't rely on Cade Warner to be the guy making plays. There's got to be a lot of other and, guys. And I don't, I don't think they're they are. I just think that there's some comfort level with both quarterbacks trying to find him, and he's just got to make the play, and and he usually does. Right? It's you want to talk about a case in point of somebody wanting it too bad or trying too hard. There's that moment where you've earned your way on the field because you know everything and you're helping the younger guys. You've been praised as a teammate. It's time to go make some plays, and he's the first to tell you that. I mean, to to not pile on Caden, to, to give him some props, 
He's been the only receiver I've seen that open in the end zone on those plays. Does he have to make the catch? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you want to talk about, yeah, we were talking about getting separation or knowing what route to run. There's something to be said for that. Yeah, there's something right? to be said for him being the only guy who can get open in the end zone. No, I know. Let's hear from uh, Scott Frost here. Uh, and, and this is interesting. I'm anxious to talk to Coach Barnett about, all right, you plan all week for X and you get Y either to start, or start the game or your, your second half adjustments by the other team. Team. This is Coach Frost on defense is playing just a little bit different against the Nebraska offense. Here's Frosty. I said a lot of complimentary things about Northwestern. Uh, when you watch them, they're in pretty much the same look a lot, and they're really good at it. Uh, we got in the game against them, and they did some things that we'd never seen them do. Um, so, again, we have, to, we have to be able to adjust a little better to that, and um, that's kind of what we've always dealt with uh, running the offense that we've run with a little more heavy uh, read and quarterback run and those things. Um, uh, Illinois definitely played us different last year than they did the first year, and, and I kind of expect uh, maybe some change up this week. So um, we just got to be ready to manage it. I look at Northwestern, Elijah, and some of the things that they were doing that, that were a little bit different, but primarily, you know, what Northwestern's going to do, and, and bottom line is their their front four did a really good job against Nebraska's offensive line. So did Penn State's. But it it prevented some uh, of the uh, the Luke McCaffrey things, and we'll, we'll ask Barney about that. But you got to also be able to just do what you do and run what you run and make the other guy stop it. And, and right now, uh, Nebraska has not been getting the downhill push they need from the offensive line. Can that change Saturday? Sure can. Uh, will it help having a, a guy like Mills back to run the football because he's more of the, uh, the, the downhill attitude? That, that'll be pretty key for me uh, when it comes to what Nebraska does running the football. And, and I'm anxious to see more from Scott. I'm anxious to see some from Tompkins. Uh, let's get Ramir Johnson the football on the outside. He's pretty uh, pretty fast uh, athlete. Uh, real quick here uh, on the topic of, of big plays, and we'll hear more from Scott Frost here before the hour is done. The importance here of big plays for this offense. It's not real easy to go 12 plays, 80-yard drives. Can Nebraska hit some big shots? Yeah, you know, I've said a bunch. We need to hit some more big plays in the offense so we don't have to sustain as many drives. Those need to come in the pass game and the run game. Uh, we're going to be consistently working toward that. Uh, I, I think uh, there's some things we can do better. It's interesting, you know, we're, our, our offense is probably a little different than some others in the league, and it, it's just funny to me how we get in games and people play us different than what we've seen on tape in about every game that we've looked at. And uh, we need to do a good job adjusting to those things and creating some opportunities. Uh, but we've got some looks uh, at least the last two weeks that we weren't expecting. And, um, you know, and, and part of that's just we need to block a little better and, and break a tackle or make somebody miss from time to time. Um, but I think those things will come. That is Scott Frost. More from Coach Frost. Gary Barnett coming up. It's Hale Varsity Radio with you on a Thursday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, we are on the patio today. Casa de Schmidt. Mama's working. 
That's all right. Junior's in the basement, and he has the uh, the, the the two uh, idiots with him. Uh, the, the dogs are not out here to torment the neighbor kids, thankfully. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska they're not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in a crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Busy hour in the 5 o'clock uh, session. Brandon Vogel, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, and the uh, host of your I-80 preview podcast will be with us. Gary Barnett's 10 minutes away. And then the pride of Chicago is Danny Burke. Burke's best bet. Some Big Ten thoughts, some Nebraska angles, and uh, some NFL. So the uh, quote that we've kind of been most interested in today with Scott Frost meeting with the media uh, has been Scott Frost in, in his discussion about the black shirts. And uh, he likened it to... Uh, Halloween a little bit, uh, but we'll get into why guys got those black shirts. And here's uh, Scott Frost on just the intensity of the defense uh, that made enough plays to win on Saturday. Uh, I think we're ready. Um, you know, that was the message all week uh, that you can't relax after win. You have to be that much more committed to being really good uh, and to getting better during the week. Um you know, defensively, I think we're doing a really good job of that uh, because we're more veteran on defense, and I think those guys get it. Um, offense has just been a, a process of bringing the young guys along the whole year and, and trying to lean on our veterans. Uh, but I, I was pleased with the intensity and the attitude this week. That is Scott Frost. Here's his comments on, on the black shirts and earning them and kind of following suit with what coach Chenander said this week about not everything needs to be made for Twitter. Well, it shouldn't be real easy to get a black shirt. Here's coach. I I see it. I saw the emotions on the guy's faces when they got awarded a black shirt. Um, I think you're probably in recent years and I might be guilty of it. Those have been given out a little too easy. Um, So we didn't give any out uh, until after this last game. They don't have them permanently. If they don't live up to the standards of the black shirt, they won't keep them. Um, you know, I don't want this to be like Halloween where you just walk up and knock on the door and get a piece of candy. It's got to be a little harder than that. Uh, well said by Scott Frost. And Elijah, your take on things, I think that guys, I mean, it's it's chicken or egg. I mean, Nebraska fans clamor for the black shirt. They want to know who's a black shirt. It's so important but you got to play at a high, high level. And I know the yards are the yards, but the, the defense was your MVP last Saturday. And uh, I, I think it's okay, even though he gave up 501, to uh, to hand out those black shirts. They came up big. Yeah, I mean, it's a defense that allowed 501 yards of offense, but only 23 points. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm with you. They deserve it. Uh, it's 12 guys that you, I mean, you'd be expecting. It's kind of the 12 guys that play most. My, my question is, are we going to start seeing other guys who are key contributors, maybe not starters, get uh, their black shirts as well? I'm talking guys like uh, Luke Reimer, Keem Green, uh, Miles Farmer. Are we going to see those guys get them as well, or, or is it just going to stick with this starting lineup? Because I, I don't I think, think you need a little more consistency from Reimers, and he's played really well. I'm not knocking him, but him and Farmer, both. Gary Barnett's coming up. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It's a, well, kind of a home show today out on the patio. Just amazing weather in uh, Lincoln, 76 and sunny. So he said, you know what? Let's just do the show from the old patio on the road tomorrow at the Mercado, an amazing butcher shop uh, for you to get chops and steaks and the thickest pork chops I've seen in my life. Uh, the Mercado with uh, certified Piedmontese. We're there tomorrow, 4 to 6, a road show Friday, a meat sweats Friday. We welcome in uh, longtime coach and Hall of Famer with Northwestern in Colorado, Gary Barnett with his coach. How you doing? Doing well, Chris. It's great weather down here as well, as you know, here in Arizona. So looking forward <laughs> to the weekend. It'll be a good weekend. Somebody... And the neighborhood's taunting me now, firing the grill up. I've got about an hour to do so. And I was asking Coach uh, before the show started if he wanted a couple of dogs because they were misbehaving. He's like, yeah, I love hot dogs. I'm like, no, wrong wrong kind of dogs. Uh, so they were going to come see uh, uh, <laughs> Coach Barnett, but you put a kibosh on that. No, Coach, no, no, I, no. I got to ask no, you. No, no. <laughs> You're not a dog guy? Oh, I am a dog guy, but I don't want yours. <laughs> I wonder what your thoughts are. Uh, this was on on Twitter earlier with uh, the five. Hello. Response. What's hey, the, the best Big Twelve town? And I'd love your perspective on it. Was there a town you particularly enjoyed visiting more than others? Um. You know, let me let me think about that. Uh, you know, probably Columbia because of the old days. But sure. uh, you know, we like Nebraska. I like going to Austin. Austin yeah. was probably the coolest town that we went to. Um, you know, I didn't want to spend much time in Stillwater or uh, uh, Manhattan or Lawrence was always fun. That was a fun mm-hmm. place. Iowa State, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get in and out of there fast enough. So, um, but Missouri, just because of the old haunts, probably oh, Missouri and Austin, I would say, yeah. What was your your Friday nights like as a coach? Were you able to at least go have dinner, or were you worried about keeping an eye on guys? I mean, how were you able to get ready for for the <laughs> next day on the road? Well, they were different as an assistant coach than a head coach. Assistant coach, you had a little more freedom. You didn't have quite so much responsibility. You could, uh, you could, you could maybe visit a local uh, establishment after meetings and stuff. But as a head coach, you can't do any of that stuff. So, um, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I remember playing Oklahoma in 1989, and uh, after we did all of our meetings, it was Halloween, and. Um, <laughs> this is a great story, by the way. So Mike Berry, the line coach, and I went through the parking lot and under a fence to a bar right behind there. We had a couple beers, and uh, there was a, uh, a person dressed up as 
one side of that person was a man and the other side was a woman. And so we're going, this is only maybe in Oklahoma can this happen. So anyway, we're going back, and on the way back, I slipped trying to go under this railing, and it hit me right in the eye and gave me a black eye. So oh, the no. next morning, we're in the team meetings, and Mike Berry just said a bunch of Oklahoma guys jumped Coach Barnett last night and gave him a black eye. <laughs> so we got to go fight harder for him. <laughs> so. Yeah, you did stuff like that every once in a while. <laughs> Coach Gary Barnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Coach, that's a great story, But which leads me to my question. Have you ever had any actual bad run-ins with fans while you're on road trips? No, no, we really didn't. Fans are great, you know. Uh, we, we, you know, there was probably one time, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into that. But nah, not really. Fans were always good, no matter what. So they were good. Coach, want to get your thoughts. Uh, Nebraska able to hang on against Penn State, a really good first half. Uh, just six points in three games for Nebraska out of halftime. Uh, that coupled with some different looks that Nebraska saw against Northwestern. What's the secret to being productive in the second half? What's What's the secret to being able to adapt and adjust as a head coach and an offense in the second half. And I'm, I'm really interested on your take with this just because, you know, how, how you've lived your coaching life as a, as a coordinator, as a position coach, and obviously as a head coach. But uh, what was that process like to, to be able to roll with the punches, fix maybe some stagnation on offense, and, and be able to, to play complementary football and help your defense? Well, offensively, we always had a first-half plan and a second-half plan. And if the first-half plan was working, we just stayed with it. But if we were struggling in the first half, then we wanted to give them something they haven't seen because we always figured that if we were struggling, it was for one of two reasons. Either we weren't executing or they were on to us and they had adjusted well. So we always had a second-half plan. Now, I mean, the number of times that we had to use it, I said, were probably – I would guess was about a third of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, you know, you've just got to have a, a guy like Mike Hankowitz, who's uh, a defensive coordinator at Northwestern, a guy who can uh, just look at things and say, okay, here's the adjustment, here's what we have to do. Uh, defenses don't have necessarily a second-half plan, but we always did on offense. And, um, you know, it, it served us well through the years of doing that. Coach Gary Barnett with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Coach, Scott Frost has drawn some ire from Husker fans because uh, it, it's really seemed like once he's gotten off his first few scripted plays early in the game, uh, his offense has had a lot less success. Uh, do you know of any reason why defenses could maybe adjust to this uh, Scott Frost system, or is this just something that he's going to have to, to learn to, uh, to adjust as the game goes on and, and uh, have success with his plays that aren't scripted? Well, I, I think that has more to do with the play caller than anything else. And, I, you know, I don't know if Scott's calling them or somebody else is, but, um, you know, the, the scripted plays are plays, and they're, they're anywhere from 10 to 20 of them. Uh, and they're all based on formations you, want, you think you found through film or plays that you found through film are going to be good against the opponent. And so it's, it's funny, most people's scripted plays 
are pretty good. But when they get off script, then it comes down to the play caller. And uh, that's that's just, or at least that's my experience is mm-hmm. what I should say. Um, the, the more experienced, better, cre- most creative play callers didn't have a problem adjusting after we got off script. But it's funny how probably your most, you know, if you've really done your homework, you're you're pretty uh, uh, your scripted plays work pretty well, and then by then you know the defense has seen it and they're adjusting, and now you've got to adjust as well. You've got to be able to um, uh, you know get off, think on your feet, uh, create on your feet, and make the adjustments on the run rather than in a meeting room with access to all the film and all the information. Coach, was, was that tough? Was that tough to do as a play caller, to, to think on your feet? Well, it, it you know, play callers, I mean, that's why they become play callers, and that's why they stay there. The good ones stay there. Not everybody can do it, uh, you know, and um, if, 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 your, if your system is tight, and small enough to where you always have an answer to everything, then you can get to it. But if your system's expansive and it's about plays rather than systems, then it's a little more difficult to do. And, um, you know, it just depends on the combination of offensive plays that you have, system that you have, and then the accessibility that your play caller has to that information and whether he can think on his feet. Let's throw another wrench into it. What about uh, what we're talking about? And then you mix in up to as many as is 8 to 10 freshmen or redshirt freshmen. Uh, what what does youth do to that part of the equation? Well, it figures in somewhere in there. There's no question about it. But, you know, at this point in time, they're not, they're not freshmen. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, you guys have played how many games now? Uh, four, five, four games, five games. You know they're not freshmen; they're almost sophomores. So you, you can't use that as an excuse. You can use it early, but you can't use it now. Well, they missed a game because of the Wisconsin deal. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, nor, for example, Colorado's only played two. I know, but you look at the SEC; those guys have played seven or eight games already. So, um, uh, but you know, once your freshmen have gone through it, through a, through a two or three or four game schedule, they're not freshmen anymore. So you can't really use that. Injuries, you know, I mean, nobody wants to hear it, so it doesn't do any good to complain about it. It's just the way it is. Next man up somewhere, find somebody to put them in there. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, a thought about uh, Nebraska before we get into the weekend of action of college football. Uh, your takeaway with, with the Penn State win, and then what's your, your read on Illinois and, uh, and Lovey with uh, that, that program that stung Wisconsin a year ago. Lovey's got some good athletes, but they're, they're still trying to, to put back-to-back wins together. Well, they are, uh, but so is Nebraska. Right, <laughs> they're trying to put back-to-back wins together. Uh, you know, this I I thought Chris the spread is fifteen and a half. I thought this was way too much because you look at statistically these two teams and they're almost the same. So I'm, I was surprised to see a fifteen and a half point spread there, uh, especially when Nebraska is averaging twenty points a game. So um, 
uh, you know, I think that's a little too much. But, uh, you know, those guys are building big buildings out there, uh, and, and they're not doing on welfare. So uh, they're making money doing something. They know something, you know, that I don't know. But the, statistically, those two teams are pretty even. Um, you know, it was interesting to see uh, McCaffrey start and for him to stay with him as much as he did. Uh, you know, it seemed to spark the team a little bit. It's going to be an ongoing issue all year once that happens. Uh, but at least he's got somebody to go to that has got a great deal of experience should McCaffrey get hurt or there be a need to change it again. Um, you know, it still comes down, I think, with Nebraska is, is, is a big-time receiver that causes you to change your defense. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not going to change through the course of this year. But, uh, you know, they played well enough in all these games to where they could have won uh, almost every one of them. Coach, I uh, wanted to get your take on uh, some of the, the games this weekend, and I want to go into uh, Indiana and Ohio State. That line's huge. It's 20-and-a-half, Ohio State's favorite. Illinois plays really awesome football. Their quarterback's tremendous. You think this thing could be closer than what the line is suggesting? Uh, you mean uh, Indiana, their, uh, their quarterback's playing well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think 20's about right. I really do. I mean, Indiana's going to play their butts off, and you just know that's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, whether or not uh, Ohio State respects them, if they respect them, if they've done their film work and they really respect this team, then 20's about right. If they didn't and they don't respect them, then it's going to be less than that. So, um, you know, you beat a team based on respect. And if you've respected them, you've prepared for them, you know everything they're going to do, and that's when you play your best. Coach, tell me about Northwestern and Wisconsin this weekend. Uh, Northwestern has had Wisconsin's number at Ryan Field. This one will be, uh, well, it'll be black and blue, kind of like your eye down in Norman, man. Yeah, well, you know, it goes back. It goes back to you know, in, in my first year in '92, uh, we kept Barry from going to his first bowl game, Barry Alvarez. Oh, wow, and and then. Uh, but it's been a battle since then, and we, you know, he should have taken a knee against us in 96 and didn't, and we, oh, we no. uh, forced a fumble, <laughs> won the game because he didn't take a knee, and then I'll be darned if the next year I'm on the four-yard line going in, and I could have taken a knee, but instead I ran a play because I wanted to score more points, and we fumbled. They went down and kicked a field goal, so... Uh, it's been back and forth like that uh, through the years. And they have had Wisconsin's number. Uh, they're seven-and-a-half point dogs. You know, Mike Hankowitz and that defense is pretty good, but Mertz is good, too. I think Wisconsin probably has more athletes, just whether or not they, they play that way. I think seven-and-a-half is about right. Coach, last thought, what's the word on CU? Are you guys looking at Colorado State? Any update on that? Yeah, they they have been looking at Colorado State, but I just I just got notice from uh, the athletic department that they're not going to do anything other than a Pac-12 team. So if another Pac-12 team has to cancel today, uh, then whichever team has to cancel, we might play the the other guy. 
but it, it would have to happen in the next 24 hours. So we're not going to play this weekend as it looks right now. All right. Well, Coach, if you're off, uh, get get the old golf club out and hit them far and straight. And it was fun to chat today. Thanks for your time. Enjoy it, Chris. Good being with you, man. Have a good weekend. You too. There he is. That's the coach, Gary Barnett. There's that little backstory to Wisconsin and Northwestern about who didn't take a knee, who's taking a knee. That was pretty good. Brandon Vogel's up next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Going to check that Gary Barnett interview out. That was fantastic on play calling, on scripting, on second half scoring. Yeah, it was just awesome. And uh, that is up on ESPN Lincoln's On Demand, ESPNLincoln.com. Also on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. And, of course, you go to the uh, HaleVarsity.com site. You go to the network page, and the entire podcast is posted. You uh, podcast network with Herdat Media at Hale Varsity. A uh, podcast you got to have in your rotation is the I-80 Preview. Your host and our dear friend Brandon Vogel, managing editor from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, and uh, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, what's the fastest you made it from your uh, hometown out west to to Lincoln uh, on I on on I eighty uh, in reference to your your podcast title I eighty preview, uh, is there a world land record you set or did you just kind of? Uh... Yeah, I never I never uh, pushed it that hard. It, it's tough to do, do we not it have... in under. Start over. I did not hear you. I'm so sorry. Well, that's okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I've never pushed it that hard. It's it's tough to do in under six hours. Um, if if you really wanted to do it, the way to go probably is uh, is Highway Two and uh, just press your luck. Like you're not going to see a whole lot of traffic uh, for most of that drive, uh, but <laughs> it's it's uh, it's long and empty. So if you do happen to uh, run into a law enforcement, you're you're not going to have much of a chance. Wow. Uh, so. You've pressed your luck on Highway 2 is what you're telling me. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Um, <laughs> six hours. <laughs> official official company line. <laughs> Brandon Vogel. Uh, Going to see Enos and Roscoe and, yeah, and just wave at him. Uh, Vogues, I need a thought. You have attacked the second half. You've got a theory. Without spilling too much of the I-80 preview podcast, does Nebraska have a better second half? Let's get into the prediction side of things against Illinois. And do you think Nebraska's going to come out and just handle their business? Or do you think this thing could be a, a you know, four-crown afternoon for, for Nebraska fans uh, based on the back and forth that we've seen? I mean, Illinois has been a, a thorn for Nebraska, honestly. They have, uh, and you know, for as for as well as Nebraska has moved the ball uh, against Illinois, Illinois kind of also moved it against them. I mean, I know last year's game involved involved a uh, a handful of turnovers, um, almost literally a handful, way more than Nebraska would have liked, uh, because the Huskers' offense was going up and down the field. But they needed all of those points because they they set up Illinois on a short field and staked them to a to a two score lead pretty quickly in that game. So I think that's the general setup. You know, is it's it's hard to know 
it's hard for me at this point to feel supremely confident that, okay, Nebraska is going to come out. It's going to respond to getting a little bit of positive reinforcement last week with a win, which Illinois also has, um, and, and kind of look like a two-touchdown favorite. We just haven't seen that often enough with Nebraska. Their, their uh, I guess, quality of, of play, uh, just attention to detail, hasn't been consistent enough. So, yeah, there's there's a reason that the Huskers are the favorite that favorite that they are in this game. They have some some advantages, but it, you're still just kind of waiting to see. And I mean, in, in some ways, you know, people might look at this and say, "All right, yeah, you know, you should be better. You should be better than Illinois." I think it's it's pretty clear. Although Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota won head to head, but it's, it's kind of forcing the issue that Illinois is probably the last last place team in, in the West in terms of of overall quality. It's no disrespect, I just think the the league, that side of the league, is is pretty pretty good top to bottom, uh, but we just kind of see it from Nebraska, and it's, it's tough to totally trust it going in. Brandon, there's a lot of fun storylines heading into uh, this game on Saturday. Yes, fun, uh, maybe stressful if you're on the team, but some fun storylines with uh, Luke McCaffrey expecting to get his second start, but Adrian uh, hot on his tail as well. You got the status of Diedrich Mills in question. Uh, and then for Illinois, you got uh, a quarterback battle over there as well. Uh, so for you, what, what is your most interesting storyline? What are you going to be watching for whenever you flip on the game on Saturday? Kind of an interesting challenge for for Nebraska offensively, I think, um, and, and maybe it won't be a challenge if they if they just do are able to do what they want, then it's no issue. But um, you know, the, the Huskers enter this one sorely in need of some some big plays, some longer plays. They need some shorter drives. You know, Scott Frost said as much today, um, just to to kind of get some momentum going offensively. Like the offense has, has stayed on schedule and still been pretty good for the most part. Um, but it's it's really missing those explosive plays, which are which are kind of a hallmark of this offense when it's operating efficiently. Uh, the Illini defense uh, tends to give up those plays, so I'm interested to watch how Nebraska kind of attacks that. You know, do they kind of stay the course, um, stick with the run game, and, and just try to be a little bit more patient, or or do they go after those? I mean, I think you'll see a, a few more downfield shots than did we have to this point. Um, but if Nebraska go, goes crazy on that front, I think they're probably playing into, and they're probably getting themselves into a little bit of trouble. So um, there, there's that, which I think is probably the first thing I'm watching. And then uh, how many how many total quarterbacks are we going to see in this game? Probably set the over under at four and a half, maybe, uh, and see what you get. Vogues, if you're lovey and you can grow a glorious beard as well, you just you still have yours. You didn't shave it like Lovey. And that was a sad day. But give me an argument for Brandon Peters. I mean, I've seen a lot of the guy. He hasn't won for him. And Isaiah Williams is a handful to deal with, especially with what Illinois can do with a one-two punch on a zone read side of things. I'd be running Isaiah all day and every day. But it sounds like Peters may get the look and the nod here because of his experience. Yeah. um, I mean, he only had that one game against Wisconsin. Peters did uh, and completed 42%. Uh, That said, (laughs) Isaiah Williams on the year is 33%. So I think the argument for Peters is um, (laughs) throw the ball. (laughs) Is is that if you want Noel, if you want to throw the ball at all, he's probably probably your best bet. And, and, And I think you have to if you're Illinois. Um, you know, Josh Matterbebe and, and Hightower, uh, the Miami transfer, uh, another wide receiver, provide you some pretty good 
pretty good deep threats. Illinois leads the Big Ten in, in plays of 20-plus yards. So it's, it's the kind of offense that can be big play. Um, and they've got two guys in terms of their ability to do that in the, on the ground. Now, one of them isn't Peters, hence the dilemma. One of those guys is Isaiah Williams. So I think you can mix him in. Um, and you have to be careful not to telegraph, you know, like, okay, well, we're clearly not throwing deep shots now because this guy's in. And it's not that. It's not that you don't try them. It's just you get a little more out of the passing game uh, with Peters, I think. Again, he's only played one game this year, so so who knows? Maybe that's not even true. Um, but I think that's if – if I'm Lubby Smith, that's kind of where I'm looking. But I would go into this intending to play both guys. Um, Nebraska has hurt a lot of teams that it has played with its quarterback run. And, and you saw how much damage Penn State did with that against Nebraska last week. So – that has to be part of the Illini's game plan. Brandon, Huskers are, uh, are a 15-point favorite according to Vegas. I know there's a, a lot of things we can talk about with Illinois, uh, but if the Huskers are that big a favorite, you got to assume that they have uh, some advantages somewhere on the field. So where do you think the Huskers hold an advantage over the Illini on Saturday, and where can they uh, really flex their muscle uh, on the Illini? Yeah, I think the, so the big difference between these, these two teams right now is, is Nebraska's ability to run the ball consistently. So you could probably look um, up front for Nebraska with, with the offensive line, which has, been, which has been pretty good. I think, you know, maybe the expectations or even the ceiling for that group is higher than what we've seen so far. But Nebraska's brushing success rate so far this year ranks 13th. So that's good. Uh, I think one of the issues for the Huskers is they're getting a lot of that value from the quarterback spot. You'd like to see Diedrich Mills or Ronald Tompkins or Marvin Scott III, really any running back, step up and, and carry a little bit more of that load. And I think this could be a good game for that. Um, Illinois is, you know, they're, they're what you'd expect from a from a Levy Smith team. They're, they're physical. They're always going to be a, a tough defense. Uh, but right now they're really struggling to keep teams off schedule in, in addition to the big plays. And anytime you do those two things um, – you know, it's just it's it's a group that that lost a good bit from from last year's defense that really powered them to to bowl eligibility. So I think Nebraska's biggest advantage is probably going that way when the Huskers have the ball against the Illini defense that's that's struggled so far. Vogue's a thought here about uh, two and a half minutes when it comes to to the second half and the offensive drought and play calling and adjustments. Do you think Nebraska's offense? is just green as to why they're struggling or is it the fact that there's that many good minds in the Big Ten and Nebraska's offensive play calling and and game planning is still new to this league so they're trying to kind of get their bearings I know it's your three but uh, I'm asking second halves under the Scott Frost era. I mean, it's not just this year. It's been an inconsistency quite a few times. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's some of both of those things. Uh, the Big Ten is a, is a good league for coaches, and they're going to adjust, and they're going to throw some, some wrinkles at you, which has been a talking point this week uh, with, with Coach Frost. So you see some of that. Um, I do think Nebraska's kind of – inexperience uh, plays into it. As, as Frost put it this week, you know, they're, they're young for the third year in a row, which is not the way that that, that trajectory is supposed to work. Um, 
but but here they are and i think you have a little bit you know it's it's tough to to really try to even understand this without getting into a little bit of uh psyche or, or emotional response you know for for a young group like that i think it's a little bit easier to to get up for the start of a game than it is to go into the half regroup and and come out and and, and be ready to address what the new wrinkles you're going to see then. Um, it's, just, it's just a little bit harder. That, that's something that's more the mark of a, a veteran team in my mind. Um, and then I, I did talk about this a little bit on, on the podcast, not to give, give it all away, but I, I, think, I think some of this, Nebraska has one touchdown in the first four minutes of third quarters for the Frost era, the entire oh. 27 games so far. Um, and I think some of that is, is due to the, they take the ball first, which is a completely defensible strategy. Um, they want to get on the board first. That has a lot of um, positives for, for a team, just being in the lead. Um, but the thing you're giving up then is, is that second-half possession to start things off. And I think a lot of times Nebraska has just started those second halves on their heels. Um, so you better score first if you're going to play it that way. And so far, Nebraska is still, as we've seen, a work in progress. Brandon Vogel with his HailVarsity.com and magazine, his podcast, I-80 Preview. Check it out. Spotify, Apple, and, of course, Google Play. Vogues will talk Saturday. Thanks for the time, man. Thank you. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to get caught up with the Pride of Chicago. It's Danny Burke time with Vizen Sports Network. And at Danny Burke 5 is where you find him, his daily show, Rush Hour. And, uh, of course, uh, the weekend coverage of the Chicago Bears with Fox. Danny Burke, brother, how are you, man? How about Nebraska hammering both of us last week, not only covering but winning? <laughs> But hey, you know what? If, if we're both fading them against the spread and it turns out to a win, that's not the worst case scenario. It gets us something to be happy about and talk about more so throughout the week. So it's looking like uh, the same thing could happen this week in terms of how big that spread is in it. Most likely going to be another win for the Big Red, which is always good. You know, it needs to be another step forward for Nebraska. I think uh, the topics of interest for sure are offensive production in the second half. Like, that needs to be a thing and not a a hope. But, uh, Danny, where are you at here with Illinois? They got their first win. Kind of surprising, honestly. They won out uh, at Rutgers. Not that Rutgers is amazing, but, you know, Illinois showed some fortitude here. And Lovey's got good kids. Uh, they they just tend to surprise uh, at least once or twice a season. Last year it was 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 uh, with Wisconsin, but lines now up to fifteen and a half. How you feeling about Nebraska? What what do you like about this game, or are you running from it? Uh, the way I'm looking at this game, because with the spread at fifteen and a half, I'm surprised it's that high. I'm going to be honest, not mm-hmm. saying that Nebraska is not that much better than them they should be but it just seems like a dangerous number to want to lay it with nebraska if i had to do anything i would take the points but the way that i'm handicapping this game is looking at the total now earlier this week when we made our picks it was at about 59 and a half looks like you can still get some 59s out there i took the under in this spot now i hate rooting for unders specifically in college football this may be one of the very very few unders that i've taken this season because it's really been an overfest and that's been very viable thus far but when you look at this nebraska team schmidt like we talked about they have that offense that you think should be better and can move the ball more frequently 
And you, you saw it a little bit against Penn State, but the defense had obviously a lot to do with that. You talked about their ineptability to move it in the second half. And Illinois Nebraska always seems to kind of, not always seems, but sometimes, I mean, last year they played it close. And Illinois' defense, while they haven't really showed up thus far, that's where they're supposed to have that strong part of it with Lovey Smith being the head coach. Now, we've talked about Nebraska and how their defense has vastly improved, specifically against the run. I think that's going to slow down Illinois. I think you're going to see them being limited from probably about, oh, let's say like 17 to 24 points, and maybe get Nebraska to uh, throwing up 30 to 35 in there. I think you could get right about at that 59 or below number. So I think it's going to be the play here is under 59. Like I said, had under 59 and a half. Would still pull the trigger at 59. Once you kind of dab, uh, dip below that, that's when I'd get a little bit cautious. But that would probably be the best angle for myself. Danny Burke's with us. The pride of Chicago. Burke's best bets at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Northwestern and Wisconsin. Wisconsin has been incredible. They looked phenomenal against Michigan. I was way off on that one. But uh, with Northwestern, they are the one team out of the West that has beaten Paul Christ. I mean, Iowa, yeah, from time to time. But Northwestern's really been pretty good at, at, at Ryan Field against Wisconsin. How are you feeling Saturday with uh, the Badgers favored by seven and a half? It all depends where you get this number. I took Wisconsin laying seven in this spot here since it's right at the key number of seven. If you can still get a seven or if you're willing to buy it down the half point, that's the way I would go because, look, as good as Northwestern has been, 4-0, 3-0-1 against the spread, just for some reason I still can't trust this team. And it's not defensively. I know they're really great defensively. But offensively, I just don't see them being able to keep up with Wisconsin. The big thing about Wisconsin, like we talked about last week, with all that time off. How are they going to respond in that tough spot against Michigan? They dominate them 49-11 to 11 on both sides of the ball. So I see the same thing happening here. Wisconsin is ready to go. Uh, they know what their expectations were coming into this season. They've dealt with a lot of adversity, and now if they can keep it under control and keep rolling, I think they do the same against Northwestern. So at the number of seven, I would lay it Seven and a half, personally, I would stick away. But at that point, I probably would take Northwestern if I had to. Like I said, all it comes down to is getting that key number of seven. I think Wisconsin is going to beat Northwestern in cover. Danny, let's head to some NFL. And uh, what do you think about the cards in Seattle tonight? Uh, What a finish by Arizona and Murray to Hopkins. Wow. That, that was fantastic, Schmidt. I was so fortunate in that game because I ended up taking the Cardinals money line <laughs> instead of them on the spread at two and a half. So I got a little bit bad of a push when I bought down the Browns to three. Nick Chubb goes out. I was yeah. salty yeah. about that, but luckily I didn't lose. And then we bounced back with the Cardinals money line. I didn't get screwed by them not kicking the extra point. So just a day of bad beats was on the right side for one of them being the Cardinals. Um, now that this line's at three, Schmitty, as much as I love Arizona and been backing them a lot this year, it's hard not to look the way of the Seahawks because I know a lot of people are going to be looking toward the Cardinals' direction after the big win. The Seahawks have lost two in a row, and Seattle has a terrible defense. It's so, so bad. So what I typically do is dive into props, which I'll talk about later on my show, but... Um, right now with the number at three, a small lean to the Seahawks. It would be hard to envision that Russ loses three in a row against another MVP candidate as of this point, a guy who's really young. Russ is going to take this one personally, division game. 
Uh, total at 56 and a half. We were kind of talking before. This total can't be high enough, Schmitty. I mean, let's be honest. The Cardinals do have a better defense. They still allow a decent amount of points, though, and the Seahawks and that great offense they have are going to be able to put up their fair share. So no chance I would bet the under in this game. Uh, but like I said, if it's at three and a half, I'd take the three in the hook with Arizona. If it's at three, probably look a little bit more towards Seattle. But I think the best opportunities for this spot would be to uh, cash in on some props, which there are a plethora of props that a lot of the books made available. Danny Burks with us. Burks Best Bets. Hail Varsity Radio at Danny Burke 5. You hear Danny with VEASAN Sports Network. And uh, Rush Hour is his show. Danny, is is there a best bet out there, either college or NFL? Do you like the Chiefs, Raiders? Got a couple minutes here left. Uh, where, are you, where are you leaning this weekend here? What do you got your eyes on? Yeah, really quick, just to get into that Chiefs-Raiders game. Don't have a best bet in this one per se, but I think it is really fascinating because this line has moved up now to the Chiefs being an eight-point favorite. Now, this is a bounce-back spot for Kansas City, who got beat pretty bad by the Raiders at home, so that makes sense why it could be that revenge spot. But getting eight points at home with the Raiders seems like a lot. And this Chiefs team, while they're fun to watch, arguably the best in the league, they haven't really been dominating their opponents. So I'd probably look to taking the eight with the Raiders, if anything. But the best bets that I've had so far for both the NFL and college, uh, let me pull these up really quick. But in terms of college, like I said, my five picks I made, I had Nebraska, Illinois, under 59 and a half. I laid five and a half with Maryland versus Michigan State. That number's at six, would still lay it there. Uh, Wisconsin, like I said, laying seven at Northwestern. Oklahoma got fortunate enough to get a six and a half. I laid that versus Oklahoma State. And then Hawaii, Boise State, over 60 and a half. Now, in terms of the NFL, the best bet I made so far was a six-point teaser. I teased down the Chargers from eight and a half. Brought them down to two and a half against the Jets, so they just need to win by a field goal. And with the Vikings, this number has actually moved down to about seven, but earlier I had them at six and a half. Teased them down to one and a half versus the Cowboys. They are coming off a bye week, but Minnesota's down a roll now ever since that bye week. So a six-point teaser, Chargers down to two and a half, Vikings down to one and a half for the NFL. There are your best bets with the pride of Chicago. It's Danny Burke. Follow him on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Catch him on VEASAN. Of course, Rush Hour nightly with uh, Danny Burke, uh, 6 to 7 p.m. Central. And uh, Danny's got some work going on the weekend as well. Uh, with Vizen and uh, Fox Sports Chicago. Danny, have a great weekend. Enjoy this warm weather we're sending you, and uh, we'll talk again next week, bud. Sounds like a plan, Schmidt. Enjoy the weekend. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pretty pleasant day. Awesome to be outside and uh, doing the show from the patio. We are at uh, the Mercado tomorrow. Certified Piedmontese. That is going to be awesome. I have raved about their steaks. I have raved about their brats and uh, kielbasa, their Louisiana hot sausage links. So we are at the Mercado with Piedmontese, certified Piedmontese tomorrow. Another roadshow Friday, a meat sweat Friday, 4 to 6. That's North 84th if you're in Lincoln. And if you're not in Lincoln, come see us anyway, where you're hearing us uh, across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Incredible selection. Elijah, I think I'm going 
audible here for Thanksgiving. I, I'm going to have uh, some really good kind of smoke-infused turkey breast on Wednesday. Thursday, it's maybe short ribs or maybe prime rib uh, on the smoker. I'm thinking, uh, I'm going to say, hey, how many short ribs can you load me up with uh, Piedmontese uh, and uh, the Mercado is where I'm going to rock that. And what's going to be awesome is I've got this beef rub that is just undefeated when I've done short ribs on the smoker before. I, I am lobbying hard for short ribs for Thanksgiving. Uh, but uh, it is uh, Joe Mama's call with what we do on, on Thursday, whether it's smoker or turkey or uh, some sort of beef. It's okay to audible away and still have the sides, isn't it? You don't have to always go turkey on Thanksgiving. I think you have to always have at least a little turkey as an option or else you're just un-American. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the short rib to me is a little bit weird. How about wild turkey? Oh, as, oh um, to drink. You know what? I think does if, that count? If you the, pull what do the judges say? If you pull out the wild turkey, I'll give it to you. It's it's a weak effort, but an effort was made, so I'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, I do think the short rib is a little bit strange, but you can't go wrong with the prime rib. See the short ribs. Have you ever had a short rib? Never on Thanksgiving. No, well, you sound like a little uppity when you go. I'm never on Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, I, I guess the, the key I've never to Thanksgiving, skipped a, a project for finals, you know. But it is what it is. Uh, I'm not sure I'm why you're coming you. at me for that. I'm proud of you for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stepping up. I'm coming into work instead. That's right. That's right. So Seattle and Arizona tonight. Junior's nervous. I know that. Does Seattle bounce back, or does Arizona get the sweep? You got to think, to me, Russell Wilson isn't going to let a defense uh, dominate him twice. I mean, the oh, Arizona defense... defense played against Russell Wilson like Russell Wilson hasn't been played before. Uh, the Seahawks said they want to go more run-heavy this game. They didn't like their pass-heavy uh, option uh, last game. I know it's a, it's a high total if you're, uh, if you're a better out there, so Seahawks are looking to run the ball a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, after what I saw last week from Arizona, uh, I, I don't want to bet against the Cardinals ever again this season. Yeah, I was not going to entrap you with a selection tonight. We'll wait till tomorrow. Come see us out at the Mercado Piedmontese, certified Piedmontese, 4 to 6 tomorrow. Great stuff from Brandon Vogel, Gary Barnett, Danny Burke, Parker Gabriel, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt back at you tomorrow on the road at the Mercado. Talk to you then at 4 with Hale Varsity. Thanks.